Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. We are getting into the second half of Ephesians 1. This is kind of a long like, lead into the meat of the letter, but just in the lead into the letter, there's actually a whole lot of meat as well. Um, and the passage that we're looking at today, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, um, it's, it's the content of what Paul prays for his congregations, for the, the folks that he um, is leading and shepherding in various ways, or, or congregations that he's had some sort of like content, uh, contact with before. Um, and there's just like a, 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 an air of prayer about the entire passage. And so I thought what might be helpful for us is to begin and end just this time of looking at the word. Uh, with prayer, and I, one of the things that I like to do in my classes, there is a there's an Old Testament theologian named Walter Brueggemann who um, who would pen prayers before course lectures or before uh, opportunities to preach and whatnot. And th- there's um, there's a handful of them just collected in uh, this book and a couple of books. This one's called "Odd to Heaven, Rooted in Earth," and there's some just like very like thoughtful. Um, beautifully crafted prayers. And so what I want to do is, is open our time with one and close our time with uh, another today, just to, um, just to remind us that uh, hearing the word, participating in the word together, uh, it's an act of prayer uh, that we are engaging in together. We are just, this is a conversation, an ongoing conversation with God that each of us are having. And this one is called, uh, this prayer is entitled, We Are Ready to listen. Short and sweet. Healing, sovereign God, overmatch our resistant ears with your transforming speech. Penetrate our jadedness and fatigue. Touch our yearnings by your words. Through your out loudness, draw us closer to you. We are ready to listen. Amen. Penetrate our jadedness and our fatigue. We come with one or the other, maybe both this morning, right? But the word of God, the living and active word of God knows how to pierce through those things. So let's listen to it. Uh, I want to begin just by reading through the passage just so we hear it, so we feel comfortable with where, where we're at in this particular portion of scripture. And I'm going to make just a couple of comments as we read through it. <laughs> this passage begins, verse 15 begins, for this reason. Now, if you were here last week, you'll remember that verses 3 through 14 are one continuous 200 plus word sentence in Greek. And I love that Paul has the gall to say, for this reason, in the next sentence. Which one, Paul? Which reason? Which of the many reasons that you outlined slash didn't really outline in your 200 word sentence? 
for this reason. I think he's talking about the vast um, picture of salvation that God um, is is working. That's what he's talking about in those up leading those verses leading up to this moment. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Um, a few years ago, my father-in-law, Ted, and I, I think he's actually going to be here next week. Um, uh, we went on an overnight backpacking trip up in North Cascades National Park. Uh, North Cascades National Park is like up in the like far northwest corner of Washington. You hear National Park and you think like Yellowstone or Yosemite or one of those like famous ones, North Cascades kind of flies under the radar and, radar and fly under the radar kind of places are my kind of places. A little bit less busy, a little bit more wild at times. And we, uh, we went back up to uh, Saheli Arm and we went down into this little basin to, uh, to camp overnight, and it was um, it was an awesome time. And while we were there, we got a tip. While we were on the trail, we just got a tip from somebody else. Hey, go take the side trail back in to Horseshoe Basin. I think I uh, included a picture uh, of it here today for you to see. I mean, it's like it's very small. It's a fantastic place. It's it, it's a true one of the true like magical moments in my life. We were. <laughs> When you see people on a trail and they say, hey, go take the side trail, you always have to understand they mean like, hey, four miles down that way, one way. Uh, but you know what? When you're out there, you just go, right? When you're out there and you're exploring, you just go. And we, and we did. And we, we kind of worked our way down through this little valley and then up this kind of steep and, and switchbacky little trail that was all covered in by, by brush. And we're like, somebody told us to come here. I don't know what's happening. And then all of a sudden, bam, we are, we're in this it opens up to like this amphitheater and it's waterfalls everywhere. It's just, a, it's just this ridge of waterfalls all the way around. And it's, it's kind of loud because it's just water gushing from every angle and you're in it, you're inside of it. It's the kind of place you can't get to by accident. <laughs> Even though we didn't know the place existed at the beginning of the day, it's the kind of place you, we can only get um, on an adventure. Deep, uh, deep in the hours of 
an exploration that was already going on. We got to stumble across a beautiful, beautiful place, deep in the depths. This is not a pull-up destination. It's not a... This is, this is a, a, way, a place you get to on a pilgrimage, not, not uh, through a tourist book, right? And what Paul is expressing here in this passage this morning is that there are depths to the exploration of God that we have yet to tap into. There are places still to go. And Jesus is calling us to that place. Are we going to take the tact of the tourist? Are we going to take the quick pamphlet and just stop by the easy to see places? Or are we going to be willing to go deep? Deep into the depths of who God is. Paul wells up again here uh, in a series of like... He like, can't contain himself again. We saw it last week. And time and time again in Ephesians, he just wells up with excitement, with passion for who God is. And that boils over into what he wants for his people, for the people of Ephesus. He starts out saying, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith. It's interesting because Paul has met these folks before. Paul has been in Ephesus. He's writing a letter to a church that he already knows. And now it's not quite clear how long it's been since Paul was in Ephesus. If you stitch together the story from Acts, it's possible it's been up to seven years since he's been with these particular with this particular community. He says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith. So so not just the experience that Paul had with this with this group, but there's an ongoing faith that is happening in Ephesus. He says, ever since I heard about your faith and your love for all of God's people, this is a theme all throughout Ephesians, your love for not just a few, not just the ones who are convenient for you, not just the ones who are already in your community, your love for all of God's people. That's what you're known for, Ephesus. I love that about you. And Paul says, I, I have not stopped giving thanks. Listen to Paul, Paul's pastoral heart here. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, if, if you're familiar with Paul's letters in the New Testament, this will sound familiar. Paul makes very similar statements in Romans and to the Colossians and to the Thessalonians. I can't stop praying for you and giving thanks for you. You get a sense from, you get a composite uh, <laughs> like picture of who Paul is, his heart for these people. He's always got someone on his mind. He's always praying, always giving thanks. There's a deep, deep affection for this people. And because of that deep affection, what wells out of that? He desires for them a few things. A couple of things in particular. Again, Paul kind of wells up here, and there's a whole lot of different ideas that happen at once. I want to kind of distill them into a couple main ideas. Paul wants for his people an internal awakening, and he wants them to experience the power of the resurrection. Let's look first at the internal awakening. I keep asking the God, <clears throat> the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is verse 17 here. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, 
may give you the spirit of wisdom. It, this could also be translated like a spirit of wisdom, um, like an internal working of wisdom and revelation is what Paul wants. And uh, the NIV translates it as the spirit of wisdom to make us think like, well, the Holy, it's the Holy Spirit that, that does that wisdom and, and revelating work, that revealing work, absolutely. Um, but it's also something that works into our spirits, our core, our inner being, right? The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom uh, in scripture, we, we naturally kind of think of wisdom as like head knowledge. Um, thinking wisely about a situation is thinking through it thoroughly or thinking through it, it well. Uh, but wisdom all throughout scripture has a much more practical bent, actually. Wisdom means a, a capacity to understand and function accordingly. That's one definition I came across. A capacity to understand and then live accordingly. Think about the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is not giving a whole lot of new information, right? It's just a cataloging of stuff we already know to be true. That somebody who's paid attention to life really well and said, this is generally the way things go. It's not a promise that your life will go like this if you follow it. It's just saying, this is usually how it goes. That's what wisdom is. And the life of faith is trusting that the way that God has set up the world is the best way. That is what wise living is. Living in the grain of the universe that God has already established. And Paul asks, I, I want you to have a spirit of wisdom and a revelation because there's always more to be revealed to us. There is more to be revealed as we stick our nose in the text, but also as that internal awakening begins to happen. I've, I've highlighted just this, a, a few little terms here. Look at this constellation of, of very like similar terms. Wisdom, a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know so that the eyes of your heart can be enlightened. Notice that the two uses of that you may know, which are kind of like guiding this whole passage. I want you to know God better is what's guiding this whole thing. And in between those two things, lest we begin to think that but Paul means just, I, need, I want you to have more head knowledge about who God is. Head knowledge, good, but not the whole thing. How do we know? Well, right in between, it's the eyes of your heart that need to be enlightened. That's what needs to wake up. We need to wake up on the inside a little bit. Not just a head knowledge, but a life knowledge, an inner awakening. That the eyes of your heart may be open. Remember the song? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Yeah, I was, man, throwback. I felt, I felt like it's been a long time since I've sung that one. Here it is. This is where it came from. Open the eyes of the heart. Step into the deeper exploration of who God is. That you may know comes on either, either side of this idea of enlightenment. We need... Um, Paul, Paul is saying... I know this God well. And what I desire more than anything is for you to become awake to who this God is. To have, have some enlightenment. To, 
to perk up internally, to perk up on the inside, to not just hum along from one thing to the next. Become awake to God, to the world, to yourself. St. Irenaeus said, the, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. We want to be enlightened and we want to grow in our understanding of God. There is a sense in which our, uh, our inner balance, our inner alertness plays an absolutely pivotal role in being, under, being able to experience God in a new and real and lively way. You can't get to an amphitheater of waterfalls. Um, on accident. And yet so, so many of us take this tact when it comes to the knowledge of God, when it comes to our relationship with God. Think about that word to, to know, to know somebody. Like when, whenever we say like, I want to get to know that person better, we are not saying, I just want to know more facts about them. No, we're talking about wanting to grow in relationship. And yet so many of us take attack when it comes to the knowledge of God. We, we are like those who, who get into the national park and then we just stay in the visitor center. And we like to read pamphlets and, oh, that, that hike looks cool. That vista must be cool. There, there's a nice picture of it. I put a picture up earlier for us to see like, oh, that's a beautiful thing. But at the same time, it's just a picture. There's no way that my experience in that moment could be conveyed through like a few pixels on a, on a screen. We stay in the visitor center. Or maybe like nature is not your thing. And like, God, this guy talks about nature every single week. What are we? Maybe you're a Disney person. Maybe you're a Disney person and you, you invest all of your life savings to go to Disney uh, one time. And then you just like sit on a bench and watch, and watch other people go on the roller coasters. Watch other people go on the rides. Or maybe you get a ticket to a concert of your very favorite artist. You're so excited to go. Like What we do sometimes in our relationship with God is akin to just going to that concert and then just sitting in the bathroom the whole time and listening to our favorite playlist through our headphones. When a whole world of live music is right there in front of us. Like... Dan mentioned it earlier. Like something happens when we when we are in a in a live music setting, especially when it's your when it's your favorite artist and they oh and they play that song, that song that's gotten you like time and time again. Like there's something spiritual that happens in in that moment. It's like taking seeds to a new plant and just scattering them about and never watering. We, we sit on the edge sometimes. And Paul is like, I want you more than anything to know the depths. Listen to how Paul wells up here. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Because despair and, and like mutedness is not the life that we've been called to. I want you to know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, everything that God has done for you in Jesus. I want your heart and your mind and your life to be flooded with those very things always. That's what Paul says. 
it is easier than ever for us to to live a sort of um, yeah a sort of muted existence, almost almost a a phony. <laughs> Existence, right? As we as we move along from screen to screen, or from little dopamine hit to dopamine hit, as we as we scroll here and scroll there, or from outrage to outrage, all of those things are just are contributing to us, just like skimming along the surface of life and never plumbing the depths of any one thing, never plumbing the depths of our own soul, never plumbing the depths of the knowledge of who God is. And Paul's like, there's such a wide and deep world for us to get into when it comes to our relationships with God. But we sit on the bench and we let the stuff happen around us. Paul's like, I, I take seriously your knowledge of God. And so it's in my prayers always. So there's a question for us, will we take it seriously the way that Paul does? I want for you an internal awakening, and I want you also to experience the resurrection power. Listen to this. So after the hope to which he's called you, after the glorious inheritance, Paul can't get rid of that word glory. Uh, I love it. And his incomparably great power for us who believe, that same power, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul's like, when you get to the depths of who God is, it's the power of the resurrection is what's reverberating. That's the liveliness that you could be experiencing in your heart. Now we hear the word power and like I think the the hair on the back of our necks stands up a little bit and I, rightfully so because our experience of power are the mo usually the most natural thing that we think of when we hear power is abuse of power. People have used power wrongly. And our world is marked by that at every level. But we are reminded here of what true power ought to look like. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. True, genuine, spirit-filled power comes on the other side of death. There is a death that has to be died in order for God's resurrection power to be seen to be lived, to be felt. When we see Jesus wielding power, it is, a, it is a power that is for the flourishing of mankind, not the oppressing of it. And that kind of power only comes on the other side of death and denial. Not accumulating power so I can have my way, but submitting to the work of God so that he can have his way. That is the power that Paul wants to see at work in, a, in the life of this, of this particular congregation. 
You can hear it just welling out of his own experience, the power he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority. Paul spends a lot of time in this letter talking about the spiritual forces that are at work in the world, and he is very clear from, from the very beginning that Jesus has power over all of them. Those spiritual forces are real, and they are at work, and they are... Um, something that we have to be mindful of, aware of. But when we put our faith in Jesus, we are putting our faith in the one who is above all of those things. It's not something that we have to be afraid of. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God's plan of salvation. Last week we saw Paul point backwards, the plan that God has had from the very beginning of time. And here he says, it's also in the present age, and it's also in the one to come. There is no element of time that is untouched by God's saving work. Will we delve into it? And God placed all things under his feet, verse 22, all things under Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over all things for the church, which is his body. We get to spend a whole lot of time in these upcoming weeks talking about what does it mean to be the body of Christ. But here is the first and foremost thing that we ought to know, that the head of that body is Jesus the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, who fills all and all. This is Paul's prayer, Paul's desire, that others experience the fullness and the depths of knowing Jesus in the way that he has experienced, that others experience that fullness. Paul's like, I've been there. I've been on the deep journey before, and I continue into it. And all I want is for that journey to be a communal one, to be one in which you get to participate as well. And so I think it's important for us to just like take stock a little bit of our lives. And to ask, do I want this for myself? <laughs> is the way that Paul talks about the depths of the riches of knowing Jesus, does that even register right now? Is this something I actually want for me? And if so, how can I move towards it? <laughs> is it something I want for myself? Is it something you want for you? Is it something that you want for somebody else in your life? If so, how are you going about that? It, it, Paul's like few verses right here are a great template for what to pray for those in our lives who we want to know the depths of Jesus. Do you want it for you? Do you want it for somebody else? And does somebody else want it for you? We have an opportunity in the relationships that we develop over time 
to get in the way of people who know Jesus better than us. And what a gift that is. That's, why we, that's part of why we are here and gathered together, right? It's to get in the way of other people who know Jesus better than us and to get to know them well, to get to know somebody who wants it for us, maybe even more than we want it in the moment, right? To experience those, those depths. I was, I was a little bit moved by the baby dedication this morning because it's all three of these things. Do you want it for yourself? As parents saying, yeah, we want it for us, but we also want it for our children. And then those children can say, yeah, there's someone who wants it for us. They don't know that they need that yet. But you as a community want it for them. And that is a beautiful beautiful thing. That was, that was the perfect encapsulation of what Paul is saying here. Are we going to plumb the depths together? Yes. Let's dedicate ourselves to it. Let's give ourselves to it 100%. Now, this is not... Um, whenever we get into a discussion of like, oh, how much I and pursuing God, or how much I know God, how much I want to walk with God. There can always be a, a sense of, well, I'm not, as, I'm not where I should be. I don't want it enough. I, maybe, I, maybe you're here and you're hearing like, oh, the depths of who God is. Like I've, I've not really maybe thought about that, but it is something I kind of want. And I want to say, let's not use that as a way to like beat ourselves up but rather as an opportunity for a step of obedience. There should always be that, that nagging sense inside of us that I don't know it enough, I want to know more, that is a sign of health. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a sign that we are awake, that, that, that internal stuff in us is awake to, to something that's stirring, that's moving. One of the things I love about nature so much, about birds, about hiking, like is that you can never see it all. There's no, there's no person who can ever say like, yeah, I've been to all the places. You, you, there's no way to do it. There is no end. And so as we plumb the depths and we experience the beauty of, of who God is, we get to sit there and worship and, and praise and gratitude to who God is. And yet at the same time say, I want to know more. I want to go deeper. I want to have more of that. I want it, I need it. I want it for me, I want it for you. This is the thread of, of faith that, that Paul is, is tugging at here. None of us are where we could be in our, in our walks of faith, and that's a good thing, that's a beautiful thing, that's an exciting thing, that's a let's go take next steps together thing. And so I want to close again, um, close here with, uh, with another prayer. Um, and this one is called, We Would Know More of You. And as I was walking through this passage, uh, uh, this prayer came to mind, and I, I hope that uh, it, it resonates with you to, to an extent. We would know more of you. You are the God of all truth. 
the God of deep hiddenness. God of all hiddenness, who shows yourself in your being hidden, who hides yourself in your disclosures. We would know more of you, of your goodness and your mercy, of your large purposes and long-term dreams. In your presence, we become aware of how little we know of ourselves, of our interests and passions, of our fears and dreads, of our own wonderments and gifts. In your truthfulness, let us know more of you in knowing you ourselves as well. We pray in the name of Jesus where we see you fully and ourselves clearly. Amen.